What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, Conceded Nobody Family, it's another week. Join him, the American. Yo, yo, it's Dave Love. Yo, yo, it's Mr. Douchebag Swag. How we doing? All right, yo. Um, let's just jump right into it. Um, so Kanye West makes this video on Instagram. We're going to play it for you here. And... Um, <laughs> And yo, and he he does this. This is South Africa he's in. You you know what? I have no idea. I saw the video. I was like, okay, the beat's cool. Next, like, shout out to that choir though. That choir is doing that thing. So Kanye West is making like this beat somewhere in the middle of nowhere with this choir and um, old man. Choir? Do we know? Oh, I don't know. Um, old man Ebro puts up a post The oppressor may have his mind But the ancestors still have his soul There's a war going on inside Shut the fuck up yo. <laughs> Yeah I had to send it to the group chat To to tell uh, Red Wonder Like yo shout out to your boy Like come get him Cause it's always something Like, And I don't even want to say it's always something But like what, what does that even shit. Not to say what does that even mean I don't mm-hmm. even know what I'm trying to say But really old man like that's so What yeah. Well, the dude is still canceled, right? From what? I mean, just in general. I would. I mean, talking about Kanye here, or, or is he is he on a tentative list for the cookout? Like, are we bringing him back to the fold? Sucker shit. Oh. Saying, mm. oh, Kanye. Yeah. For Kanye. Oh, what for a shit. beat and a choir? No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> granted, I'm not to say that I ever said, and I'll probably go back on episodes and be like, yeah, I was, he's so canceled, but not to say that I say he's canceled so much as it's just like. He just, this is his thing. This is his brand of like eclecticness, you know. And granted, people are saying that it's a much serious, it's a much more serious issue. Things change once he lost his mother. Nonetheless, I feel like he's right, like he's since realized that he's working on it, but is now, you know, using the system to benefit from it. So, so you think there's just like a publicity stunt? Yeah. He's part of that family now. Yeah. <laughs> You're not buying any of it. Not to say, I mean, and what is there to buy? Like, he's just, from all I've seen, the whole conversation that's framed around a 30, 40 second video of him playing, you know, in the middle of nowhere with a choir. So, mm-hmm. is what, what is there to buy to say that, oh, he's back on, he's not, it's just, okay, he's doing something again. Mm-hmm. I mean, the latest video I saw of him, he was, he double, double parked a car sideways <laughs> and got outside of the car and was standing there just being Kanye. So every every week it's something different, right? So you feel like, a new, you feel like a new album's coming out soon, and that's why we're 
we're hearing about this? Or? Oh, you know, I'm about to drop. I would hope. I mean, I would hope that that would be the case with the fact that this is a video of him with music and a quiet. Like, I would hope that would be a teaser for that. Watch mm. it be some mad random. Oh, season forty-four. Yeah, right. <laughs> season forty-seven of Keeping Up with right. the Kardashians. Jeez. Like, yo, I don't know. But st- I'm not messing with Kanye still, so he's not even on my radar. Yeah, so for old man Ebro to get so deep with it. Take it to a level that's not necessary. <laughs> you were washed too, though. <laughs> I feel like Hot 97 as a radio station is washed. Oh, yeah. Like, when we would put on Hot 97, I'd be like, yo, turn it off, man. Put on Power 105. Like, I'm not trying to say that. Matter of fact, turn the radio off. Altogether. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. T- yeah serious. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? No, and it's a shame. And I thought about that a lot when Power 105 first dropped. Because they were playing the 10,000 songs. Remember, that was like a good month, two months of straight music. No commercials. 10,000 songs. They knew how to draw us in. It was good competition. And over the years, I felt like I would always lean towards Power 105 because it was less aggressive than, Mm. you know, I don't know. And And I think back on it now, I feel like Hot 97 had a, like, was very hip hop centered. Like, very, very like. Hot 97 was, was very rapidy rap. There you go. Yeah, you know, it had all like the freestyles and like exactly. the gangster rap and shit right. and like the street. But then, like, I feel like Power 105 wanted, you know, they wanted to get out of this uh, Brian McKnight vibe they had back in the day. Power 105 was like the R&B channel for a minute, yo. When it first came out. if you're going to play something, you need to play Foolish, because that was a song they were playing yeah, every 22 yeah. seconds. Yo, shit. Uh, it was crossover. Real I'm telling you, but I appreciated it because as someone who's more of a fan of R&B than rap, right. it was a nice, it was a nice change, change of pace. Hey, can't play too much of this though, right? Because at that point, all I had was um, what, Z100, KTU, other than High 97. So to get Power 105, it was a good change of pace. Yes, and either yes. Hey, okay, so. Dropping bombs like the competition station. Angie was still over at Hot 97 before. Angie, yeah, before before she jumped over, right? Bobby Condas. Yeah, Bobby Condas. They still on Hot 97. Yeah, but that was their whole thing. A little, they were much more. They were much edgier. You know, Hot 97 was where everybody went to do to do their beefs, like when Jay Z and Nas were beef. Beefing, they were on High 97. When 50 had to get on Cam, uh, that, during that, it was on High 97. Jimmy, when Jimmy and Cam were beefing, I was on High 97. High 97. It was all rap. I mean, it was hip hop. I mean, it was rap. It was hip hop. It was, at that point, I feel like in the early days, not early days, because High 97 has been on. High 97 was like the vessel for rap music. 98.7 really was the vessel for rap music. Nah. Hip hop started on Kiss FM. Kiss FM. What, like, because I think the ninety-seven point one before ninety-seven was out, they played yeah. rap music on like ninety-eight point seven, like or like you would get it for like an hour on one of these um, okay. off-brand stations, not off-brand, but like but then how Kiss FM was the only. Ninety-seven was around since when? Ninety-seven <clears throat> came around like ninety-one, ninety, I want to say, and I, you know, I'm so my age right now, <laughs> but ninety-one, ninety, um, I'm gonna look it up. I mean, it's been around forever, but they rebranded in like ninety, ninety-one. It became like the hip blazing hip hop and nine seven type shit. Like actually, it was blazing hip hop. Remember every year they used to blazing hip hop in nine one, nine two, nine three, nine four, nine five, and then even nine seven. And after two thousand, they stopped doing that. Well, yeah, I remember. Like I don't know if you remember. Damn. 
they had that was it, the the morning roll call. What's up, y'all? What you gotta say? Who's on the phone with Ed Lisa? Ed Jay, Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would freestyle. My name is Hey. Uh, uh, uh. But I think like in the early two thousands, high ninety seven went really corporate, and a lot of artists. It was a lot of pay to play going on. Right, that's when payola became a big thing. Yeah, payola became a big thing, and and like it lost the spirit of hip hop, and became too, way too corporate. It sold out. Yeah. As a whole, and then Power One Five jumped in, and then I, I think High Nine Seven didn't appreciate the legends, like the people who were like Angie Martinez, DJ Clue, and shit like that, like because they because they when High Nine when they had to renegotiate, mm-hmm. you know, they wasn't getting the bread that they were supposed to. I think I definitely with Clue. I remember there was a thing with Clue, and Clue jumped to Power One Five. Right. You know what I mean? And then Flex had stole his bomb and shit. Anyway, yo, but shout out to Power One Five, yo, because now they're like I don't know what the numbers show, but I think. Power 105 now is like number one hip hop station in New York. Yeah, probably. Can you believe? Let me Google that. 97.1, the FM frequency had been on air since 1949 or so. It wasn't until 1987 that Emmis ended up owning it. So you said Emmis owned Hot right. So that's probably when the sound changed over from at, at that latest point, like easy listening, rock, classic type things. To what we know now, that's wild. Mm. Yeah, it, the radio um, has done like major shifts, right? Mm-hmm. Like to think, like the radio, the radio is still surviving even with the streaming and everything. Like especially when you when you leave the major metropolises and you go like into the Midwest and stuff, mm-hmm. um, the radio is a really big deal. You know, like that's that's really like how a lot of people still get their music, especially when you go down south. Like local radio stations is still a big thing. And which is kind of crazy is it's really kind of because when you think about it, technology has moved so far ahead, and we're still using things like a radio to to listen to music and get the news and stuff like that. I don't know it's pretty interesting. Very uh, much so. And it was nineteen ninety really that the station converted and started playing more freestyle house. You know what ninety seven point one? Yeah, on nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah that's 1990, what I'm saying. right. Yeah, so it was 1991. 1987, Emmis bought it, but it wasn't until 1988. They had played like top 40 up until that point. Mm-hmm. I remember because we lived in Rosedale in, in 89, and then we had moved to um, Baldwin in 90, right? And I remember like High 97 was just really starting to come out, and like OPP was big at the time, and, and it was like OPP, and then. Um, uh, Real Love was big on the radio. He answered him. But it was so hard to catch during that time period. Like, especially being a kid, you had to, like, you had a certain time period where you had to catch certain songs. Right. And then, like, everybody used to run with their tapes and try to catch catch that music. But I was really young, too. So, like, you would only hear certain songs, like, over and over, like, early on. And so, like, when MP3s first came out, I started downloading MP3s. And that was, like, my first, like, my goal was to catch those really hard to, to hear songs. Like, Camp um, Lucini. Right. This is it. What this is it? that? That came on the radio every once in a while. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Real love. The remix with Biggie because they would play the original version a lot, but they wouldn't play the remix too often. Mm-hmm. Look up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, they, yo, hip hop has come a long way, son. Shout out to to rap music. Shout out to us. The cultures came a long way. And I was thinking as we were talking about it to say 1990, they decided to take the sound more house freestyle hip hop and then to know what hot 97 station is today i'm sure the person who made that like executive decision is sitting in his big lavish mansion now like yeah good call not necessarily because i would feel like by 1990 at that point 
they were somewhat taking a chance on saying we're going to devote a station solely to this sound, solely to it, to an urban sound, as opposed to where other stations might have been playing, sprinkling it in here and there, like a Z100 type station or a KTU, where we'll have a hip hop song every hour, one an hour, but a station now devoted to playing hip hop, rhythm and blues, yeah, well, freestyle house. I mean, Cool J made a remark before about how like. Music in general, but definitely hip hop back in the day was really for the love. And that's it. That, that's it. Music has never been in the game. But when Viola now did, like, if you listen to Hot 97 and Power 105 today, within an hour, you're going to hear the same 10 songs played yeah. on both stations. Definitely, um, yo, the Payola thing is serious today. Yeah. And, and so, at least back in the days, with Hot 97, somebody taking that chance. It's somebody who just did it for the love. But I think I think back in the day, they were taking a chance with the, with the genre altogether. Sure. So the DJ that they had coming on, the, they really had to, had to trust the DJ ear to the streets to be like, yo, this is what's hot. And like that's when like music with its purest. Like, DJs curated hip-hop, but the, the curation went straight from what was popping on the streets. Like, if it was if it was lit in the parties, lit in the parks, that's what, the, that's what was getting played. Mm-hmm. You know? But I mean... You know, I think Leo Cohen said it. Like, you can't avoid... No. Is it Leo Cohen? Leo Cohen? Oh, no. C-Style said it. You can't avoid this. Once you once something goes from being a mom and pop to big corporation, you're going to have these things. You know, how we navigate this space is going to determine how successful the genre can be. But, like, you know, mass appeal comes with... You know, things being watered down is a byproduct of mass appeal. Mm-hmm. You know, because you have to appeal to so many different... So many born genres... You know, and that real rawness that we know, you know, it's not that anymore. But the hip-hop is cool, too, because it's regional. So, like, as you go from section to section, the music changes dramatically. Mm-hmm. I think that has the advantage over rock. But, like, because, like, remember um, rock, before they started doing all these subgenres for rock, rock was just rock, and then Nirvana had came out, and it was like, they were like a Northwestern rock before they started categorizing them as punk rock. Well, yeah, they were like grunge. Grunge, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? That Northwestern grunge movement. And then they always say, like, the reason why rock died is because it, 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 they divided it so much and it became so many subgenres. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's what I like about hip hop. It's like, whether it be tribe, Chicago drill, what, what, it's still hip hop. Yeah. yeah. You know, still rap, still whatever whatever it is. You know what I mean? So, and uh, speaking on that hip hop vibe, uh, yeah, I was looking at this interview with China Mac. And he was talking about using um, the word nigga. And he's. He, you know, before I even get into this, he he made a commitment to stop using the word, right? Because um, he felt his his boy had came to him and said, um, even though like, because he was like he got he get, he said because he grew up in it and that's what it was, um, you know, it was part of his vernacular, you know what I mean? But his boy was like his boy was another Asian dude, um, China Mac. If you guys don't know him, he's a rapper coming out of um, Brooklyn. Um, really from New York City, he's been all over um, Chinese Chinese descent, and he's and he's nice, you know what I'm saying? And he's like bona fide, like he's really from he's really from where he's from. He's the the, the aggression in his music is really like a, a reflection of where he's from. So, um, he talks about like the fact that he came up in um in the group homes and you know running around getting locked up in jail jail culture, and that's where he learned using the word nigga because all he do is hang out hang out with black people. But he was like, yo, you know, his boy said, like, just because you have that experience in New York. And shout out to his man, because his man really, like, he got somebody good in his corner. Because he was like, yo, just because you have that experience in New York City, that doesn't mean, like, a black person down south is going to be able to understand that. 
And to you, to them, you're going to be a Chinese person saying nigga. Calling them out their names. Calling them out their names, you know what I'm saying? But then he, he puts up a couple of arguments. I wanted to present it to you guys um, about why he chose to use the word nigga. Um, so let me start it off here uh, at 19. I made some tabs here, but I, I thought it was a I thought it was it was a good conversation. I'm gonna play a clip for you real quick. It, you know, so now I'm picking up on that shit. Like, and then I was in I was in a group home, and I was the only Chinese person there. Like, there was might be other white people, Spanish people, but I was the only Chinese person there. We talking about the eighties. You know what I'm saying? And shout out to Queens so Flip. This there, is uh, I had to find a way to fit in. Uh, so what about school? Though? Quiet room on YouTube. Make sure you go out and check school. out the, the full uh, video. You know FDS number seventy eight, China Mac. I went to Jamaica High School. I shot that shit up. You, you know went to saying? Jamaica. So they beat me up. Motherfuckers jumped me and shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and then I came back. Yo, you know what? And shout out to that. Yo, Jamaica High School in the 90s was wild, B. <laughs> Jamaica, like, Jamaica was a school, like, that you went to if you got kicked out of all of these schools over here. That was, like, your final stop. And if you got kicked out of Jamaica, you went to Newtown. You know what I'm saying? I went to Newtown. Not to say that I got kicked out of Jamaica, just that was the school I chose to go to because all my friends were going there. But Jamaica was wild in the 90s. Like, Jamaica always gave me that lean on me vibe. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because they were the first schools to start having metal detectors. That's right. Yeah. Oh. You know what I'm saying? And that was a big deal to us because none of the other schools had metal detectors. Your school didn't have metal detectors? Newtown, no. No. I mean, they eventually did get it, but not when I was there. You know what I mean? You came in, it was like a regular school. So Jamaica had metal detectors, and it, it gave Jamaica a. Uh, a much more aggressive vibe because I knew people that went to Jamaica and it was, it was serious, but it wasn't that serious, but it was serious. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I shot the shit up. Jamaica High School. Yeah. Gotta be careful, man. You gotta jump inside the school, outside. On the steps. Oh yeah. That's before Jamaica High School. Now, now it's all clean and nice. Yeah, yeah. But back then, I was like, yeah, it was yo, wild back you know then. You know? And what, what happened it was, was somebody had tagged something on my book bag. One of my mans had tagged they they little. But we don't want to do all that. Why do you feel like? Why do you feel like it's okay for black people to call themselves that word? We took a bad word, nigga, and we turned it this into is a Queen's good word. Flip. We turned okay. it into a word of endearment amongst the African American community. I've watched as a kid. I've watched Puerto Ricans that say nigga that didn't consider themselves black and laughed at black people. This is what I watched from coming. To, Queens of the Bronx or whatever. I watched different ethnicities actually tear. Now, and, and to comment on that, some people don't really identify as black. Like, like you have Puerto Ricans that definitely see themselves as being black, and you have some Puerto Ricans that don't. And and I think it's unfair that we categorize the entire like like Latino group as being like one ethnicity. Because like when you go to these countries, there's like subcultures there. You know what I mean? Like when we were in Colombia, there were white Colombians, there were black Colombians. Right. You know what I'm saying? And their experiences were grossly different. You know, like, even we, we observed, like, a lot of the black Colombians were, like, the help. You know, they didn't have a lot of, like, the the the, the management jobs. You know what I mean? And, you know, if you were to speak to a Colombian, especially, like, we talk to a Colombian, that, that, especially the ones that identify as white, how they experience Colombia is very different from, like, yeah. some of the black Colombians we ran into uh, and we spoke to them and, and what things that they were saying. So I think for us, especially for, like, black people, we have, like, an advantage because, we're, we're, like, we're West Indian, so we understand, especially as being Haitian descent, that, that you know, everybody's not the same. You know what I mean? Like, you have black Dominicans, you have white Dominicans, you have, you know, you have people that identify for different things. But if we do a disservice by, like, putting everybody in, in this one box and just saying, like, you're Latino and that means you're X. You know what I mean? Because yeah. there's so much more to it. 
down because people say, "Oh, you gonna say something?" Yeah, no. But either way, like people shouldn't be judging anyone by their like by books by their cover just off like off the strength. So, I agree. I agree. But we categorize though. Yeah, we do. You don't like Hispanic people. It's not that I, don't, I love Spanish. I love everybody, but I feel like certain people. If you consider yourself black and you're not black, you shouldn't say the word because we turned that word to a, as far as in the dead man. And if you don't, if you can't relate to us, or, or when we get into it, sometimes we get into, well based off me and my encounters with certain people. When we get into a situation, you I didn't really like his argument. I'm gonna fast forward to it. I mean, it's a lot of sh- that word is different. You understand what I'm saying? Like that, it, it it holds different meaning. It holds, and when you're trying to make music, you're trying to cross. You're not just trying to stay in New York City. If you're just trying to be a local rapper, then fine. But it's so now when he told me that, I was like, shut the fuck up. I'm not trying to hear that shit. But I thought about it. Okay. I went home. I thought about it, and I was like, let me ask you a question. See, I respect that because mm-hmm. his man told him what it was, and it off rip because. That that is where he comes from, you know what I mean. And then you have certain people that like, you know, like they grew up. Like that's the, that's what it is. That was the, that was the language, right. you know. And then we get older, and it's like, I right, you're in certain spaces and you can't, you know, and you're making certain people uncomfortable. And especially he's trying to get on a large stage. So I res- I respect the fact that he had the maturity to be like, yo, ooh, I shouldn't, you know, this is gonna hurt me more than it's gonna do benefit me. I need to let it go. My my, my problem with the whole with this whole conversation is I mean I have a lot of feelings around it right because Ta-Nehisi Coates really broke it down in a conversation that he had a, a while back pretty much explaining that words don't exist without context mm-hmm. so I can't fault China Mac for how he grew up right you grew up in an environment you adapt the culture that's around you and you talk how people around you talk because you go hey I gotta fit in that's anybody that, that's not unique to him the problem that comes up with this whole conversation is layers. Number one, the, the N-word. When you say the N-word, right? We don't say, we, we say the F-word. We say the N-word, the S-word. That into itself means that the word is loaded. We understand that it comes with a certain weight, right? It, 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 so the B-word. As a dude. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As a man, I understand that the B word has a certain weight. And with that example, I always like to use that example. Women can call each other bitches, and that's their prerogative. You right. know what I'm saying? But when a man calls a woman a bitch, that's inappropriate every single time. And, and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? man calls a woman a bitch. Well, well, a man, uh, period, I mean, I man, think, period, you know? I, I think... Because, uh, no, I mean, well, no, not necessarily, because I feel like if any person, if any man mm-hmm. is calling a woman a bitch in a sense of a term, as, you know... As a term of endearment, then so, so so here's the thing, right? A non cisgender man, because we're gonna, if we're gonna get really complex with it, 
He said a non-cisgender man. Right, that's what it is. A non-cisgender man homework. uses the B word. The only way for it to not have the weight that it's expected to have is if a woman somewhere sanctions it, right? A woman would have to be in that space and kind of be like, oh, nah, he's he's cool. He's cool. Like, that's not a big thing. Oh, unless it's like, bitch, where'd you get that purse? Okay. I mean, but if bitch, I'm if I'm like, meeting you for the first time and I'm like, bitch, you're going to be like, wait, hold up. Uh, if like, that's the first thing you but say But if a woman them, approaches you and is like, bitch, you know, I just seen this thing. No, if we're having, if you and I... And I'm meeting you for the first time, and we're having a conversation about something various. And you, bitch, look at your shoes, whatever the case. Okay. I'm not going to so, be any more offended than I would, or any less offended than I would if a woman did that so, to me so, under so the, the same so circumstances. The point is that words do not exist without context. So, so case in point, right? Let's say, like, let's say Joe has meets a woman on the street, and he's out there with his boopy, right? He's out there with his bang. And so, oh, I was like, never, what's a boopy? Right? <laughs> And some woman that we've never met before comes like, hey, baby, how you doing? Now, I would not expect for the woman that's with Joe to not be like, who the fuck is this bitch? Like, what'd you, what, how do you know her? Like, you, that, that I call you baby is fine. But that this woman that you've never met calls you baby is problematic. And that's she's like, well, you call me baby. No, 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 no. I, I, I have a relationship with you. I've earned that right. We have an understanding. It's a better example. Right, I can't just come and call you baby. Like we 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 have a relationship here. So, for China Mac and for multiple people who aren't black, and and I always go through this, they go through this deliberation. When we sit there and we say you don't call a homosexual person the f word, we get it. You don't call a woman the b word, we get it. But then for black people, there's this back and forth. Everyone always just wants to try to see like, can I say? Because people want to make um, racism so gray when it really is black and white well there's there's a couple of issues here right so number one as black people as black people on this side of the atlantic Mm -hmm. we ourselves are so fractured in terms of trying to be part of another person's story right like when we talk about how like i had a young lady friend of mine talking about um as someone as, as of Haitian descent, her statement was, well, I know where I come from. And I said, well, yeah, I know where I come from in terms of Haiti, but then that makes it seem as if if you're African-American, your history only started in 1865. No, that's not true. You know, I use that Laz Alonzo line all the time. Too many of us focus on where the boat dropped us off instead of remembering where the boat picked us up. Yeah, yeah my history goes back to, to Haiti, but that, that would imply that somehow the United States is the Mecca and the United States is a reference point. No, all of us have a broken history and all of us, unfortunately, are trying to integrate into this history. But when we have a rich history apart from this side of the Atlantic, when we go back, yeah, it's not like we just came here on boats and that's where we began. That's just part of the, our story. With that being said, how do you feel about this um, African descendants of slaves movement going on right now where people are saying that um, um, black Americans are saying that uh, Caribbean Americans and, and, um, and other um, people that are black but not of American... And Af- Africans. Uh, black and Africans but not descendants of slaves, not American descendants of slaves, mm-hmm. meaning like they weren't, their ancestors weren't slaves here say that they don't necessarily deserve reparations and a reparation, the conversation of reparations should be had with the descendants of American slaves. What do you think about that? Um, I think it's a conversation that needs to be had. I, I think... I, I agree. It's a conversation that needs to be had. It's it's an in-house conversation. Um, so so 
and it, it's a messy thing. I, you, you know what? You can't expect. You can't expect your oppressor. Alex <laughs> sound like like he about to have... start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I'm real frustrated. By it. I'm really frustrated by it. You know what? It's it's like somebody who 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 juked you, right? And you're expecting justice or fairness from them. But why? But why? You know, part of forgiveness, if you call it forgiveness, is accepting that you're not going to keep chasing this debt. And a lot of us on this side of the Atlantic, a lot of black people around the world are still waiting for Europeans to kind of say, oh, okay, you know what? We fucked you guys over. Here's your fair share. What part of the world is at work? Like, that's not how people are. And that's just that's just not a realistic uh, uh, dream to have. I mean, it's nice. It's nice if you feel that the person who juked you said, ah, you know what? Yeah, I took your money. Here you go. Take it back. Yeah, I fucked over generations of your legacy. Here. Here's what I owed you. That's not how it's ever worked. You know, it, it's that it's that conversation when they say, you know, bloodshed. Mm-hmm. We celebrate July 4th every year. Yeah. This wasn't done with words. It was done with bloodshed. Blood was spilled. That's how it happened, yet we celebrated every year. So, this this reparations movement I get it. Number one, it's an in-house conversation. It's not something that really should involve people who are not black. It's not a question of African-American, Caribbean-American, African. It's it's a black people conversation. It's a pan-African conversation. Yeah, you know, for me, it's like, if you're on this side of the hemisphere and you're a black person, you're the center of a slave. Amen. You know yeah, what I'm saying? 100%. Period. And then, ultimately, when Toussaint Louverture, um, you know, after, after the Haitians got their independence, they turned around and pivoted and started looking towards the Americas and working with uh, slaves here in the U.S. and helping them revolt. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. saw a lot of revolts during the years after Haiti got their independence. Mm-hmm. So for me, the energy of division is never a good one for us. You feel me? Anything, because when you look at this whole ADOS movement and you look at the energy that's coming in behind it and people are saying that you don't deserve to speak because you're not, you know, because you're, you're Jamaican or you're Haitian or you're Cuban. That, that's or, when it gets ridiculous. Yeah, or you're Brazilian. You know what I'm saying? And like as if we don't have this shared experience. Right. I agree that, or not necessarily agree, but my opinion on the subject is that only descendants of slaves should be paid reparations but yes, I also agree in the sense that nobody should be attacking anybody who looks like you. Anyone who would be profiled like you would be treated just like you in certain spaces because we all have the same collective message of equality. If someone's bashing you and bringing you down, yeah, then no matter what they look like, defend your honor. But if we're all, talk- if we're all talking about the same thing or mm-hmm. we all want the same end goal, why would you? Why are you coming? Why are you coming from an egg? Just because? I, and it, I agree. And if you look at it historically, we've always worked together. You know, W. E. Du Bois was a first generation American of Haitian parents. You know what I'm saying? Langston Hughes. I said oh, he, was, he was Jamaican or Haitian or something like that. I mean, don't call me on Langston Hughes though. I need. Mean, I know W. E. B. Well, Langston Hughes. I think he is West Indian. Okay. It might be from an island or something. Let me look. But. Like, we've, we've been integrated and moving back and forth from here to here. Like, when you look at Louisiana, you look at New Orleans, that's Haiti. Sure, you feel me? All day. I, the, the people say the architect that, the French architect that built Haiti, um, parts of Oka, right. um, in Haiti, they say, like, I mean, we, we was out there. They were saying, like, he came over to the, to, to the U.S. And I forgot his name. They told us his name, too. But it, the, the relationship has always been there. And we've always been our strongest, you know. Most fruitful when we work together, you know what I mean. So the idea of reparations is not reparations unless like all black people 
can get reparations. And it doesn't have to be cut from the check of the U.S. For me, the, like we, we're unique here in the idea that if you're an American black person, you have access. We might not have a lot of resources left in the country because we burnt them all, but the Caribbean has tons of resources. You know, like there's plenty. China has invested tons of money into, into Jamaica. Mm-hmm. You know, other nations are seeing things in these countries that we're not paying attention to. You know, we should be rebuilding relationships and establishing establishing some kind of like logistical trade with these islands using the the pathways that we already have. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Well, well, there's there's a lot of things there. So the first thing, and I bring this up all the time, like we're considered African-American. You would never look at someone who's white in this country and jump to saying they're European American, although that's the we, correct. The term African-American is, is relatively new, though. Like what Jesse Jackson did that in the 70s. Um, I think it was a little bit, but right, fine. I mean, it might be earlier, but it's it's just not it's just not the same. Like we're Haitian American, and you would say someone who's born here is Ghanaian American or something like that. Like it's it's it it we, creates this distance. I agree, it does create it, but it, there is a difference between somebody that migrates here. I mean, you know that that you know somebody who comes from Ghana, like you said. Mm-hmm. And you know they've been they've they migrated here in, in the last eighteen years, and let's say post um, Civil Rights Act of nineteen sixty something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know they're immigrants, and I don't think people necessarily mention their mention their ethnicities to divide so much as just to embrace and remember their yeah. cultures as, as as a bridge backwards, but not backwards as a bridge to their homeland. What I'm getting at though is that if you look around the world, right? Even when you say there's a Chinatown in the city. There's still a pan-Asian movement. There's a shared ethnicity. There's an understanding. Um, so, Wait, and that goes, that, goes, that goes back to my point. Because mm-hmm. even we've always made fun, um, maybe not us here, but the culture has always made, society has always made fun of the idea that, oh, you know, prior to this Mexican thing, that it, it, when I was a kid it was, oh, these foreigners are coming to our country and making money and then sending money back home. You know, you guys remember that rhetoric mm-hmm. from oh, sure. back in the day. Sure. You know what I mean? And But they were doing the right thing. You know, they were coming they were coming here, leaving um places that didn't have the economic fuel for them to do what they needed to do. They were coming here, creating some kind of capital, sending it back home to to rebuild their home nations and help fuel that economy. And that you know was everywhere. Italian immigrants were doing the same sure. thing. Irish immigrants were doing the same absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that was the rhetoric before this Mexican thing. That was like the, the when I was a kid, that's what everybody was saying. You know what I mean? And we don't do that. You know what I mean? As descendants, like as Haitian descendants, as Jamaican descendants, and Caribbean, we don't do it enough. I mean, I say we don't do it because I'm plenty sure there's people out there that's trying to make it happen, but we don't do it enough collectively, in my opinion. And I think that's and what you, and it's funny you brought that up because I think that's a big part of the um, the vision. Because if you okay, so everybody's talking about sending money back home, and if you are quote unquote African American or black in this country, this is your home. And so, what do you say? What 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 constitutes home? Because even if you're white here, you can trace your lineage back to something outside of right. these United States. So you're like, oh well, my uncle was a cobbler back in Scotland. You know, like my great great grandfather was a, a cobbler, or um, my great 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 grandmother was a seamstress back in England, or da 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 da. You know, back in Poland. Right. And if you're if you're black, then you you, you kind of get stuck somewhere on this side. And it creates. A, a, I mean, a, a, yeah, a that's true. That's true. A generational frustration. Like, but what's home? Look, what's home? With African ancestry, if you really want to do the work, right, you can go and and, and trace your lineage back. And the the history that Black Americans have having generational um, representation in the U.S. is powerful too. 
Like when when they can go back and trace to their slave masters and see like um where their family comes from. Like some I know some black people have been here since like seventeen hundreds. Like they can they can go back generation to generation to generation. And that's dope. I mean, this is their this is their homeland. You know what I'm saying? Like they've you know this is our homeland too as being Americans here, but more more so for me it's like you know the the folks that whose families has been here since the 1600s on slave ships, like I, without a doubt, you feel me? That has a lot of power too. I've always appreciated that. Regardless of it, it's just that we cannot be seduced into this lie that our history has only started post slavery. I agree. That that's that that's the real quiet thing that doesn't get debunked. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, my history goes back to Haiti, but where does it come from? Like, unless you're an Awarak Indian, there's African blood there. So, at some point, one of our ancestors was brought on a ship against their will here. And I want to know that line. And that's where home comes from. If you're okay. in the States, your your history didn't start when, after the Emancipation Proclamation. Like, no, there's but, a lineage there. Okay. And what does that go back to? And finding value in it. Finding value in it is a big part, too. Right, because quietly, like again, going growing up in very mixed classrooms, there's a certain quiet shame that you don't see in white kids. Right? Oh, my grandfather was such and such. My grandmother was such and such. They came through Ellis Island. Da, 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 da. And when you're going through history books and you see people who look like you that were slaves and you weren't anything until you got freed by a bullshit piece of paper in 1863, it's quietly put into your head as a seed. Like your history didn't start until you were freed from slavery. I agree, and but there's always been a negative. Um, um, propaganda behind the way slave, slave stories are told. When you go to the African American Museum in D.C., the way it's presented is really different. But in the grand scheme of things, the overall conversation between descendants, Caribbeans, Africans, whoever the case, what, what we're talking about as far as equality, being able to establish ourselves in this country today, no matter where you can, tra- how far or far back you can trace your family to, whether it's on this soil or a different. That's not, it matters, but that's not the main thing we're speaking about. Today, we need to be talking about how we should all, regardless if you're a descendant of a slave or if you, you know, your family immigrated here at some point or whatever the case, we should just be talking about how we can all progress in this country today under this with the same rights opportunities that everyone else has and that's and that's the problem and and that's why we're even talking about it because now we're saying that oh descendants of slaves we're talking about reparations and what are reparations to you know pay back mm-hmm. for slavery I, I don't dispute the first part of your conversation yeah we should be all talking about progress and moving forward it's the second part of your conversation with which i have a problem it, 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 no one in the streets would say such and such owes me and I'm going to chase them to the ends of the earth. Like, th- th- that's a bullshit mentality. Even banks, at some point, they write off their loss. Now, I may not lend you money again. I may deny everyone after you uh, alone. I may put everyone else on the blacklist. But at some point, you realize, you know what? I spend more time and energy chasing such and such for what they genuinely do owe. Yeah, they owe it. That's a, that's, that's a, that's a fact. Whether or not we have the muscle to force them to pay is something else. Whether that's our best, like, yeah, listen, not, I think I'm ideally, when, that when, either, when people say reparations, I haven't really heard a good plan of reparations yet. But I, 
I've heard people start to talk. Them. You've heard them for other for other ethnicities and other groups because other people have gotten some type of reparations. Let them sort their stuff out. I haven't heard anything like well, black people talk about reparations. I haven't heard anything besides the idea that oh, we should have reparations. And what does that look like? Like we're going to cut everybody well, a check? Upon, <laughs> well, yeah. Once upon a time, it was the forty acres and a mule. And I recently read somewhere, and I wish I remembered the source that apparently we got that. Yeah, the first couple of years. The oh, home, you were the, saying that the Homestead Act. In the Homestead yeah. Act, the government was cut, um, giving away pieces of land. They they took um, large plantations and divided them up and gave them out. And that's how you started to see towns like Rosewood being built. So. But because we flossed on it, <laughs> you know, and we started doing really well, and you started seeing a lot of like the first black senator during that time period, and a lot of black people taking like political positions. Um, Jim Crow came out like a fucking like the like the clap. And wouldn't go away. <laughs> Penicillin couldn't do shit to that motherfucker. You know what I mean? So, <clears throat> but yeah, the Homestead Act. The Homestead Act was initially the government's way um, of giving that reparations. Or it really wasn't reparations to black people. It really was um, because they devastated the South. And they felt like in order for the country to be whole again, they had to give something back to the South. Um, but in this situation, they also, um, certain politicians in the time felt like, uh, they should give the black, the Negro, as they, as they said it, uh, the black man a chance to um, to build their own land so they wouldn't become like criminals and shit like that. Sharecropping? Yeah, sharecropping right. and stuff like that. They'll that, build the land. And that's really the conversation we should be having without even getting so deep into it. We need to be talking about how we can start establishing our own generational wealth and reparations or not. The fact that, yeah, it's, you were saying chasing people for something that mm-hmm. we're not... Yeah, so, so we don't need to talk about still getting them. We just need to be talking about how we can start establishing plans on being able to give our children, our our ancestors, I, not ancestors, you know. I do not dispute the sentiment, right? So Malcolm X, Malcolm X talked about what is what is the universal form of currency in the world? What's the one thing that you own in the world? And it's like the dollar. Intellect? No. No, what is it? Land. Land. When you look at wars that have been fought, when you look at contracts that are written, when you look at what real estate is, it's land. It's the ability to build on something. And so in the United States, historically, it's always been done such that black people are put at a disadvantage. When you look at the Fair Housing Act, when you look at um, why only white people, white males, white white Anglo-Saxon Protestant males had access to land, were allowed to own it in the history of this country. They had a head start in terms of currency in developing that. So now we are at a disadvantage. And you're expected to thrive in, in, in an economy, in a market that was designed to see you fail. Why are you fighting to see yourself thrive? Like, what, what kind of ego battle is this? So when you talk about um, a solution, when you talk about uh, black people growing and generational wealth, the conversation that needs to be had is also, not to get too Marcus Garvey-ish with it, but the movement back to Africa. China is investing in Africa, right? Heavy. Russia is investing in Africa. I don't think we need to move back to Africa. I think we need to set up... I think there are needs that are being filled by other nations Mm -hmm. that we could gain wealth in by trying to fill those needs, logistically. Well, when I say move back to Africa, I don't necessarily mean people to sell their houses wherever they are and move back. Mm. But understand that... These other these other nations are still seeing the resources that are yet untapped, and we're not. And when yeah, we're not we're not talking about it at all, at all. Yeah, you know, they're seeing something in it that we're not, and we're not really taking advantage of that and saying, "Yo, hold up, what is it that you see is dope? Let me see if I can capitalize," mm-hmm. rather than look at it from the rearview mirror again. Let's not even go as far as Africa. 
right? We're all here Caribbean. We see all these other countries that are investing in the Caribbean. They're going out and they're setting up hotels and buying land up like crazy. And we're like, no, we're not doing that. And yeah. then, and then when they own the economies in which we're trying to thrive, we we'll, we'll we'll book those hotels on Expedia <laughs> and be like, Airbnb. "Oh, yo, you see this new deal? Look at it, so low." <laughs> All the major resorts in DR are owned by like European companies from like you know like European conglomerates. You know what I'm saying? And for me, it just baffles me. Like we spend so much money as a people, and none of us own like you know. And and these 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 are just in our nations. And when it comes to working with the people that from our countries, the the conversation of like, oh, they're they're always a certain way. You know what I mean? Oh, you can't deal with them because they like this, because because they like that, because like. But other other countries are figuring it out. Mm-hmm. The Chinese have figured it out in Jamaica. <laughs> you know, the Europeans are figuring it out in Haiti and and, and DR. Yeah. You know, and they're getting money. You know what I'm saying? We we're the ones sitting there acting like how they how, like oh they could be like this, they could be like that. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and say like oh like Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk, talk about it. Like, I'm not perpetrating the same fraud, but I'm trying to figure it out, you know. I mean, it might not happen in my lifetime, but I'm trying to figure out something. You know what I mean? Word. But um, so you want to talk about yo? You went to that podcasting this weekend, right? Um, yeah, I went to uh, what was it? Experiments and conversation uh, last night at the Beacon Theater. Sam Harris and Dan Kahneman. Uh, if anybody's really into those real egghead symposiums, I'm I'm that guy. How'd you find out about it? Uh, one of my boys actually he's he's really into that stuff as well. And he purchased tickets. He knows that I'm really a fan of of the philosophy and whatnot. So he was like, yo, you want to come through? And I was like, yeah, you know. See, so when, last week when I said, oh, what's new with everyone? This was something like, yeah, I'm going to this egghead thing. I'm really well, excited about. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he hit me up with it last minute. And okay. Yeah, Even you know, better. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was cool, man. Um, Sam Harris, for people who don't know, he has a podcast. He changed the name of it recently, but it used to be called Waking Up. And waking up was big on meditation. Um, the podcast that he does now, though, you meditate. I, I'd love to tell you yes, but I don't. I don't. Okay. Yeah, cool. I, I clear my head out, but I wouldn't say I meditate per se. Um, and then, so yeah, it was Sam Harris, and he's a neuroscientist. He went to Stanford, dropped out after two years, uh, had a trip on MDMA, and that really helped him expand his mind. Went back after 11 years, got his bachelor's, and then got his PhD in neuroscience. Uh, Dan Kahneman... We're not we're not saying that kids should go out and do uh, well, <laughs> MDA to... MDA, yeah, yeah, I mean... Not it's, encouraging that. Not encouraging it, but it's, 
It's an option. It's there. No, it's not. <laughs> Wait until you're an adult, right? Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Moving. <laughs> and then Dan Kahneman is a uh, psychologist, social psychologist, really popular, and his his famous book is Thinking Fast and Slow, talking about uh, automatic thought processes, how we move in the world, uh, how do we interpret the world, the, the experiencing self versus the remembering self. Why do we see certain things as positive and negative, how that informs the way we move? So what were some of the things that you thought stood out? Um, one of the big things, well, one, a couple of things. Number one was our idea of free will. How, like, that's a big thing. How much free will do we have? And Sam Harris's position is that we really don't have as much free will as we think we do. That there are a lot of decisions we make which really are based on things that have happened outside of our realm of knowledge. So something could have happened in Egypt on a political, you know, political sphere that has changed our decisions. And we think, oh, we have free will. Um, and also that there are things that happened in the past, unbeknownst to us, that are impacting the decisions we make. I was thinking about it on the walk here to, the, to tonight's podcast. And I think people confuse free will with unlimited options or such a thing as no opportunity cost. And that's and that's wrong. We I think we do have free will. The question is, do we have unlimited options? And that's bullshit. You can make any choice you want, but there's no such thing as saying, "Well, I have all the options in the world." Mm. There's always a trade-off. You have the right to make whatever decision you want. It's just that by making certain decisions, you limit other decisions. But that doesn't rob you of free will. Uh, Dan Kahneman talked about the remembering self versus the experiencing self. So I was talking about this with Joe earlier. Like if you go to dinner and everything is great and then you have one final bad experience, like uh, there's mold on the dessert. You're like, oh, the whole dinner was awful. It's like, no, it wasn't awful. That singular moment was not what you expected it to be. But unfortunately, you're letting that singular moment taint the rest of your experience saying the whole evening was bad when that's not really true. But also, a lot of the decisions we make in the future aren't really with an understanding of what it's going to be. It's with the hope that when it's finished, we can look back on it and think it's positive. Mm -hmm. That's really what we're making decisions based on. And so how the confidence we have is not necessarily, necessarily a measure of accuracy. We can be really confident about something. That doesn't mean we're accurate. And being able to separate the two to, to really make smarter calls on how we move forward with things. Damn, you, you had a question in the middle of that and I forgot what the question was when you asked when you as you kept talking rather. Mm. I think it, it's a really hard space to live in as far as um the hell was that? <laughs> I think it's a really hard space to live in as far as like trying to stay aware of as when bad things happen to you. It's hard to to be like, all right, to look at the the good side, you know, to see what you can win, what you can win for it. But for me, I'm the type of person. I've had a lot of bad bad things happen to me over the years. You know what I'm saying? And in order to survive in that space, I've had to like look at no matter how bad a situation was, look at what I could gain from that situation, what I could learn, so I don't repeat it, or I could try to navigate it better if it happens again. You know what I mean? Right. But I think when when we talk about earlier. Um, we were talking about the idea of like free will, 
And um, like how you were saying, like free will wasn't really free. And I think, you know, I think with free will, like we, we, we have constant choices that we make, you know, and um, I'm reading the book, Seed of the Soul, and Seed of the Soul talks a lot about cause and effect. A lot of times when we see certain things or certain things that happen to us or we see certain things externally and we say, why, why is this happening? And we boo-hoo. But what we're seeing is, is the effect. And we don't necessarily know what the cause is sometimes. And sometimes um, that cause can give reason to the effect. You know what I mean? But you can't, we can't dwell on, a, on, on just the effect. We have to also look at the cause and, and understand that system to really be able to pull the lesson from that experience. You know what I mean? Because ultimately... Our souls, if you believe in it, right? Our souls are, uh, we go through this life trying to to reconnect back to the ether, right? See the soul side, at least. Trying to reconnect back to God. So in every iteration, you're you're doing certain things. Um, you know, um, you're trying to put out certain certain uh, karma in, in the hopes that when you learn whatever it is that you're supposed to learn in, in this lifetime, you can go back go back to heaven that's the idea like some people say like this is hell and then when you do finally figure it out and reconnect that's when you're allowed back into heaven type thing mm-hmm. you know so i think with free will like we have choice like it's, it's plenty of choice we we make you make a conscious choice to do things all the time agree you know what i mean and some, some some of those choices are hard you know some of those choices are easy some of those choices you make subconsciously you know what i mean but it's always a conscious choice one of the things that's crazy about it is there's this term called metacognition, which oh, is, using some fancy words, <laughs> fancy. It, it's it's pretty much this idea where if this makes any sense, everybody's looking at their life, and some people feel that they're passive participants of their lives, right? Like things happen to them, and they're doing the best they can. And then some people have this approach where they map it out; they stand outside of their lives. And they go, oh, I'm going to plan it like this, and it's going to go like that. And being metacognitive is the ability to exist in both spaces at the same time. So it's like a teacher. If you're a teacher, you still have to be a teacher, but you can't lose sight of the fact that you're relating to children, and you have to be able to see yourself through the eyes of your students while also reminding yourself, hey, I'm still a teacher. And that's hard. Yeah. You have to see yourself as the author of your life, as well as an actor in your own story and be mindful of your own limits. Mm. And I, I think that's where people struggle. Um, when we say we have free will, we go, oh, well, fuck it, you have free will. Why can't I just pick up and go to China? It's like, well, you can. But there's going to be consequences to that. Like, no one's saying you can't do these things. You told you, oh, I have free will, right? Then I'm going to fucking buy a bunch of Big Macs. Go ahead. Like, no one's stopping you, but you can't expect to do it without consequence and you can't, say that your ability to do that in this moment is not predicated on decisions you'd made in the past. Exactly. No, nothing in no, no action is a singular event. Right. Is anyone is anyone asking those questions though when we talk about the concept of free will? Cuz I feel like when we talk about it just the idea that yeah, we can decide or we can choose whichever what we want to choose and do whatever we want to do. That's I, what free will is. So. I think people aren't asking those questions. And they, they're not asking those questions because that, that demands responsibility. It demands introspection. And the, and the easy answer is to say, hey, things happen. Hey, th- these cards got dealt. I'm playing them the best I can. And some people are. And, and also there's also something called independence outcome. You have to say, you know what? I, I got these cards. 
I'm going to play them the best I can, and I cannot guarantee the outcome, but I'm okay with that. I, the only thing I can control is playing them the best I can. That's the only thing I can control. But to say, I got these cards, and fuck it, I'm going to play them, and that's just it. Whatever comes to me is what comes to me. It's, you're being a passive participant in your own life. Mm. Even Talk about it. The decision to say that these are the cards I got is a decision. That is free will. That is free will, too. You, there are people who lose limbs and say, you know what? I have no limbs. I'll never find love again. And then there are people who lose limbs and say, you know what? I'm going to use this disability to go and show people this isn't it. Both people made decisions. That's free will. Mm. I agree. So what, what, like, were they arguing against free will at this podcast at Vegan Theater? And was it like an open forum where they asked questions at the end? or The questions that they asked at the end, you know, started to go a little, started to veer a little bit away and were kind of like, eh, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there were definitely conversations against free will. Um, what was the conversations against free will like? Well, we're, we're just a bunch of chemicals. And so when you look at free will, the idea of it is that, you talk about the ether, that there's this soul, there's this intangible essence to us, if you will, that makes people unique. If we're just a bunch of chemicals, the result of a Big Bang and some really chance occurrences in the universe, then how much of the decisions we think we're making are free. You know, I mean, it's, I mean, people who, people can take chemicals and alter their mindset. But how much of that really was a decision? I mean, we're all in pursuit, we're all in some capacity running towards pleasure and running away from pain. And those are things that are communicated to us by chemicals. You know, I've, for me, that argument is, um, is flawed because we've tried to take the, the building blocks to create life and we haven't been able to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like even with the clones, like they're cloning clones clones aren't clones aren't really clones in the in the truest sense. They're being grown from, from other things. You know what I'm saying? But they're still using that like that pseudo life building process. Like we we you know, what what's that? Matter cannot be created or destroyed. Right. You know, we haven't we, we can't do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We, we we just can't do it. We have to take things that we have to take things that are going and put them together to make something bigger. You know what I mean? So the idea like <clears throat> whether I don't know whether you're a metaphysical or whatever whatever scientists understand that like yo, you put a heart together, you put a lung together, this and a third, and we can get all the conditions right, but we still don't know what sparks life. Right. You, you know, what gets that thing going? You know, what is it about a person that when they die, you know, what what deanimates, you know what I mean? And I've heard theories, and it's, it's, there's plenty of stuff out there, but there's always that catalyst, you know, and everybody, no matter what you hear, there's always that, like, what is it? You know, like, what is that moment if somebody lose their life? So I, I don't agree. I mean, I think, I think we're a lot more than chemicals. I think the body is a vessel, but all, all things in, intrinsic, I'd say, start from the soul. You know, intrinsic, is that the right word? What's intrinsic mean? I feel like I used that right. I mean, there's intrinsic and there's an internal. Um, there, there's that phrase, the ghost in the machine. You know, is there a ghost in the machine? Like, we're all computers, but... And, and we look at computers in the sense of, um, you know, like what we click-clack at work and what we use in phones and like that. Um, but what is it that makes... Oh, I use that, right? ...a person different from another? You know, if we're just a bunch of chemicals... Wh- Why aren't we all the same? Right. Right. Why can't we predict 
behavior mm-hmm. with 100% accuracy or at least 99.9% accuracy. I agree. Um, I think it's a flawed argument, you know, it's a flawed, flawed argument. But hey, we're going to lighten up a little bit. Um, <laughs> can't really dark really <laughs> quick. Uh, although it's a good conversation. I think Seed of the Soul is a great book. You guys should uh, check it out. You know, Seed of the Soul. Um, and what was the name of the podcast again? Um, it was Experimenting Conversation. That's a talk that Sam Harris has been having around the country with different thinkers. He has his own podcast. Um, it used to be called Waking Up. I don't remember the name that it got changed to. Salute yeah. to Sam Harris. Experiments Conversation Podcast. Um, what else we got? How we looking? It's late over here, y'all. We started this late today. <laughs> We're trying to uh, accommodate for everybody's schedule, so... I mean, you guys I probably hear this when you hear it, but early to yeah. word. But it's it's a hell of late over here. Um, there's a lot of other things before we wrap it up this week. Um, did we have a chance to talk at all about the Jordan Woods, Chloe K situation? Mm-mm. I feel like we did, we didn't talk about that. I, I don't think we really did. I might be wrong. Yeah, no, let's, get, let's get into that then. Yo, Jordan Woods, Chloe Kardashian, Tristan Thompson. What you think? That the Kardashian family needs to go. Like, they're just... They're Where are they going to go, though? I mean, this is their hustle. So, like, they do this. This is how they get their bread. Bullying is how you get your bread. Ten, ten, over a decade later of infamy, like, this is how you get your bread. No, this is not how you... They get their bread now from clothing, makeup, endorsements, perform the show. And granted, the show, you need to have... And, you know, you need storylines, you need plots to make it interesting and get high ratings. But the, the, the at this point, you're worth enough that you should not be going to these lengths for the sake of ratings for a show. Well, well, well their entire hustle has always been built off of some kind of drama, some, some kind of sensationalism. And um, it's unfortunate that it, it's cutting this deep. But we also, I mean, all parties involved kind of knew what they were getting into. I mean, Tristan's known for not being the most faithful dude. And, you know, Chloe K's pick has been busted. So that involved Jordan Wood, someone who's apparently close to, was it Kylie Jenner? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just great drama. I mean, we're, we're, first of all, we're here talking about him. So that's big. Well, I only wanted to talk about it because of the bullying aspect. The story itself is ridiculous. Like, the, the memes. Like, for example, someone said, Tristan Thompson said to Chloe, so, you know, I cheated, so this is it. We're done, right? And then they said, Chloe says, no, you know, it, it was Jordan's fault. We're still a family. And then they say, Tristan. And then they play the scene from um, Power when Ghost is in the car with his girl and he starts screaming like, no, fuck, <laughs> no. And then... Another one I saw, they played the scene from The Office when, like, uh, when Michael Scott says, like, I want to kill myself. No. And, like, starts screaming. So, yeah, essentially, as far as the relationship itself, it's hot mess. I don't want to address that. What I want to address is the idea that the Kardashians think this is their MO. This is their brand. Go after people. We have the power. We have the influence. You know, we have the power to turn it. it off. But even more so, because we're not going to turn it off, I applaud people like Jada Pinkett Smith for saying, because we want to talk about it, I'm going to give Jordan a platform to talk about it. This is not going to be a one-sided story where the Kardashians control the narrative and they go around making this 21-year-old girl look like some homewrecker. No. Let's get the facts straight, or at least 
let's get the other side of the story. And that's what they did. And then it turns out Jordan didn't even, like, she didn't even really do anything wrong. Because Tristan's the one who kissed her. Tristan's, you know. Well, define, mm. I mean, so granted, he's the one that has a vow. He's the one that's in the relationship. So if there's any kind of responsibility, burden, onus, it's more so on his part. I mean, that's from my perspective. Uh, how old is, is uh, Jordan? Was she like 21? 21. Right? So she's oh, she's a baby. Yeah. yeah. How old is Tristan? No, oh, he's, he's old, man. He's like 28, I think. He oh, he's, he's 28? He might be. Um, Let's all look it up because now I'm interested because... I mean, he's he's older. He's, he's definitely older. Twenty, Somewhere between 20 and 30. Can't quite call it. Let's see. Uh, 27. 27. Okay. So, he's, yeah, he's, he's, young, he's a young enough kid, but older than she is. Um, and Chloe is 34. Yeah, she's, she's, a, she's a straight cougar. Um, is she a cougar? I mean, compared to him. No, that's not fair. He's only he's 27. Yeah, but she's 34. So what? The dudes, the 34-year-old dudes date 27-year-old chicks. Do we call them sugar daddies? 30, 34-year-old dudes date 20, 27-year-old chicks. Do you call them sugar daddies? No. All right, so we can, she's not a cougar. Yeah, she's a cougar, bro. Come on. To, to, you, want, yeah. you call her a cougar because she's the older woman dating a younger man. Not just the no, but it's not like 32 I mean, and 34. Plus, women put the... But I just said... The dude. Twenty. I said the same thing with men. You said no. Well, with women, she's a cougar? Yeah. <laughs> the conversations... I feel like the conversation's different in this tax bracket. Because, nah. granted, she's rich. She could find a man a man who's age-appropriate, but... T- totally. The, the, but the family's M.O. Athletes, Yo, she's, rappers, like... She's and 34. athletes are younger guys. Yeah, I mean, she's really. the same age as me, bro. Like, the last time she tried to hitch her wagon to, a, to an older athlete, we saw where that got her, but right. then look where this got her. So <laughs> maybe just don't do athletes, Chloe. <laughs> I mean, she was trying to get with James Harden, and he bounced real fast. Mm. Were, and, they, and I was talking about Lamar at the, when I first, so yeah, who yeah. she actually married. Yeah, you know, just don't do it. side note, you know, the season's about to start soon, there so this are. could be a well... That's exactly what this is. And again, with everything being said, for me, the conversation is optics. So the fact that Jada Pinkett said we're not going to let the Kardashian family have Jordan out here on the streets looking crazy without at least having to speak her piece. I appreciate her for that. If we're, you know, because again, we are dedicating time to this. Everyone's talking. That's all I'm reading. I brought it up because it's all I'm reading on Twitter. And I follow a lot of diverse, different people. And everybody is talking about it. People, I had a woman do a nine, ten tweet thread about, and started with, I don't even follow this family. I don't care for this family. I don't keep up with them. But ten tweets later, you still wax and poetic about how messy all of this <laughs> is. So... Which one is it? So if we are going to talk about it, which we are, because mm-hmm. everyone, you know, we all say we don't care to an extent. And you know what? I, you know what? I'll say that. I'm going to get on the soapbox for a second. We say we don't care to an extent because the idea of, yeah, just this, this family in itself, the circus, it's tired now. But the actions, the day-to-day, the, the way they conduct themselves personally, I kept up with them for like the first half of their, you know, their fame, because I appreciated how as they rose to fame, that family unit stayed tight knit and they were really, it seemed like they were in this together, but look half the time later, and it doesn't seem like that anymore. It's cutthroat, whatever, whoever needs to be sacrificed for us to look good for us to get people to talk. And that's what it seems like. The rest of these people aren't family. So they're not sacrificing their own cubs. Everybody else is prey though. 
it's it. I mean, at this point, you're saying that Jordan. Oh, she's been a friend to Kylie for how many years? So she's not blood to the Smiths, and look what they did for her. So, yeah, but the Smiths is not That's Kardashians. Them. That's them. But exactly. But I'm, but then they were saying she was family once upon a time. Now all of a sudden, because your man don't know how to act, she's not family anymore. So, so like, I mean, I'll say this: number one, for better or worse, I've always been a big fan of Mama K. You know, I mean, she is she's cutthroat. a hustler. She's ruthless. Yeah. But she's the female version of Vincent Man. Yo, there's nothing she won't do for her daughters. There's n- and and she's only rocking with the Jenners because of Bruce. Matter of fact, Vincent Man's a male version of her because she's ruthless. She well, you're not say not that she's only rocking. She's a Jenner because of Bruce, but she's rocking with the Jenners because she birthed those two. Out of her own. Her, her girls are her girls. I mean, I'm yes. not saying she doesn't that, that, love what a, She's not rocking with any other Jenner. She don't even fuck with Caitlyn anymore. And she was married to the dude, so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what Ky- I'm Kendall and Kylie. <laughs> hey, you could have fooled me. But there's a certain protection. Like, if you're not part of that clan and you're not willing to fold with whatever agenda she's on, you're out. Yeah, if you're not one of her daughters, you ain't holding, period. You know? Because even Rob didn't make it. Everyone's disposable. You know what I mean? Everyone's disposable. So, I don't fuck with the Kardashians. I ain't got no beef with them. You know, Kanye somehow... He's not, I don't know, he's not making it. Kanye's losing his damn mind. Yeah, but, but Kanye's on a different level, it's, though. Kanye was Kanye before them. He wasn't made by them. And so I sure. think that allows him a different cachet. So, then, so yeah, so then outside of the family alone, I, I want to know what you guys' thoughts are on the, the bullying aspect, the way they're handling it, everybody involved. Jada, I, Jordan, Chloe. Like, how do you feel about the way everyone's handling it? It's immature for me, the way their ages. Um, when you say bullying, who's bullying who? So, okay, you know what? I use the term like the, the term loosely because now I'm losing the the timeline of events. But essentially, Chloe goes onto Twitter to say that Jordan is lying about her account of things and lying not necessarily what happened, but just how she went about it. Because Jordan was trying to say that oh, I spoke to the family; they know what's up. Before this became a thing, but Chloe's saying, No, you never apologized. You never came to me as a woman and spoke to me about it. You just went straight to the public. And this is all on Twitter? Yeah, that's a, yeah. Chloe put one tweet like, Oh, you're lying. You didn't apologize to me. By the way, you broke up our family. So, I mean, she's looking. For, I mean, they're all looking for attention. That's how they get their money. So yeah, it's, you're 34, and you and get, but that's literally how they on millions. I mean, of you can't it. count other people's money. You don't know how much it costs to maintain their lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's how they get their bread. They get their bread by and making this, people tune in. this is what we talk about, right? Mm-hmm. When we talk about the high price of fame. Because, yeah. again, you're willing to risk, like, the image of your grown woman going after a 21-year-old girl because your husband doesn't know, or your man, your ex doesn't know how to keep it in his pants. So, 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 That's worth that paycheck? Or those well, rates, that like, 21-year-old girl has a 21-year-old demographic that can bridge them into a new generation. So, so there's a couple of things see, here, right? That, yeah, see? Number one, as far as I'm concerned, to Joe's point, it's just another day in business. It's just another it's just another day at the office. You know what I'm saying? Like these are people who have made their name on drama, on sensationalism. But the bigger issue that presents itself is you're holding people who have and you know what? Let's let's I gotta step it back a little bit. Kim K is the launch pad for everything. Kim K got put in the, and I always say this. I love Mama K because her daughter got put in a, a fucked up spot. That's that, let's not forget this. Ray J was in his feelings, total dirtbag, and tried to play Kim K. And Mama K came in and really flipped the script and turned shit into sugar. We got to look at that. But that part notwithstanding, 
you're expecting a certain level of morality and ethicality and a certain standard from people who that outside of that situation have made their name on drama, have made their name on conflict. But the, the drama's been so different because, okay, you give me a story and you know what? Let me give you the scenario. The oldest, Courtney, her and her relationship with her baby daddy, Scott, is very tumultuous. Scott, you know, struggled with abuse, you know, addiction. It was very tumultuous. But in the end of the day, as far as their relationship not really working, nobody else was really hurt directly from the two of that like their children deal with that but their family today they've come they it was a it was a storyline so today they all came back from it you know everyone's a big happy blended family but when you're talking about now another family breaking and now you're taking someone who was pseudo family and you're dragging their name just to be able to push a plot line I did this particular drama I just don't like the look of this drama everything else they've been through every other issue that they've dealt with even the fights they have with each other that as spicy as they get and they yo the sisters when they they say some shit to each other that's fine but now when you're dry and then again the optics of it all you're dragging a young black woman into the fire for a grown black man's inability to stay faithful in your relationship and again this is all speculation this could all be a story plot. he could be the most faithful dude ever i mean but ultimately you know i mean i don't i just it's all tacky. this is is to keep your attention I mean, and it is tacky. Then, I agree. And again, the, but it's working. Right, right. But then this, and so that's my question. This is really the attention that you want. This a- is worth attention. That paycheck? Is period. Because every I, time I, you I click, like, they get paid. They don't. They don't get paid whether you click happy or click sad. They get paid when you, you click. Period. Click. Period. Right. But again, and yes, <sighs> and you're you're right. You're gonna keep answering, and then at that point, I just say, and then I I'm, I'm ashamed of that family and that's if that's no. their reason behind it why it, much so. because you're ashamed the money you're sitting on and all the other things you can do you don't they didn't need to do the Kardashians it's they, like, they, again it's like you tell so it's like you tell them plumbers story plots they could have come they could have cooked up that's not how they made their that's not their formula their formula is the drama they, and no, that's what there that's what's so worked. Many other dramatic storylines they could have cooked up that didn't involve taking this young black girl and trying to you know taking a bunch of black people and trying to make them look bad. But you know what? Trying to act like you're victims because of the actions right. of a bunch but of black people when really still, it's I personally one think we've given man. Them way too much time. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Well, I get, but I hate you though. I hate I you. Just, I just don't. I just I don't appreciate it. You quote unquote expected better of them, and you're holding them up to a moral um, standard. It's not. Yeah, it's but, not. I, I didn't expect better of them. Because of who they are, because of the money they have, or partly because of the money, but mostly because of the climate that we're in. That's the family. Why do you think they care? Because that's the family that I wouldn't expect to say to take that to get on that side of a bull of bullying. What about, about that makes you feel that way? I, I, listen, I, I mean, I, what have they done in the past to make you feel yo, like Kim, they're going to be Kim the right is, side of anything? Because Kim is going out of her waist in here trying to get every person that she can out of jail. Yeah, but that's all publicity. She, right, okay, exactly. Right. So publicity, optics, how everything looks. You wanted the positive publicity of, yeah, you're really actively working on trying to get, you know, people of color, equality and justice. You believed all that? But you didn't but that's what you wanted me to believe. So now so what I'm saying is now you want me to believe that a thirty four year old woman has nothing better to do than to go on social media and berate a twenty one year old because she can't realize that her man 
Maybe. It has moved on. Maybe. I mean, there's good narcissism and there's bad narcissism. And and know, now they're working at all of it. Why would they want the bad? The, who, the good is possible. Because all they care about is clicks. It's attention. Some people don't like it. Some people, like, you don't like it, but some people do. Some people live for it. It's juicy. It's gossip. I mean, yeah. And I mean, I'm living for it because, again, we devoted about 15, 20 minutes yeah. to this yeah. topic. Right. But it's, I just. It, uh. it just, I'm disgusted by it. You have all the right to be disgusted Shout out to Jada. <laughs> Shout out to Jada. Um, I wanted to talk about Michael Cohen, but after after this Kim Kardashian thing. Yeah, yeah we, should, we should end on something, um, some well, intellect. And- well, let's end on something light. Um, Bernie was in Brooklyn today. Shout out to Brooklyn. Did you see the crowd? crowd was like Obama-level shit. He was at Brooklyn College. Yeah, they sent me an email for it. Damn, why didn't it. you go? And it was at 11.30 and I woke up late. Okay, yo. I didn't get. I didn't hear about it until today. Also, I would have tried to go out. I mean, I'm really, I'm really funny with large crowds too. Like, I knew it was Bernie, and I, I kind of like last night. I was like, damn, I'm going out to Brooklyn, and it was like mm, it's gonna be a really large crowd there, and it's, it's Bernie, and you know, it's it's a crazy time we live in. It's just like, uh, wait, you know, not for nothing though. It's it's. Uh, I'm gonna play a clip for you guys real quick. See what Somebody he said. The crowd was very I was born literally a few miles away from here on East 26th Street in Kings Highway. Boop, boop, boop. Shout out to Brooklyn. And my family and I lived in a three and a half room rent controlled apartment. My father was a paint salesman who worked hard his entire life but never made much money. And my mother raised my brother and me. I learned a great deal about immigration as a child because my father came from Poland at the age of 17 without a nickel in his pocket, without knowing one word of English. He came to the United States to escape the crushing poverty that existed in his community and to escape widespread anti-Semitism. And it was a good thing that he came to this country because virtually Shout out to Bernie. I'm not going to play this whole thing. We're going to retweet it on, on Conceded Nobody's uh, Twitter page. I am not going to tell you that I grew up in a home of desperate poverty. That would not be true. But what I will tell you is that coming from a lower middle-class family, I will never forget about how money, or really lack of money, was always a point of stress in our family. My mother's dream was that someday our family would move out of that rent control. So Bernie came out to Brooklyn, and he wanted to make it... uh... He wanted to make himself seem, seem more real, so he gave a personal story about where he came from, stuff like that. You guys can catch the rest of the video on the Conceited Nobody Twitter page. Um, what do you guys think? The People said that the crowd was very young and progressive and liberal, so the fact that people were saying young people were rallying and really excited about Bernie makes me hopeful I, because, you know, like I said, Twitter is my news source. I'm not ashamed to say it, but... As far as I appreciate it, because not only do I get the story, but I get the opinions from, I feel like, real people. And it seemed like the general sentiment was, while people were excited that he was coming back a second time around, overall, it was like, nah, but we don't know, because the first time was so shaky. So, 
Well, well, yeah, the first time it was shaky, but that's not necessarily Bernie's fault. Yes. Right? I mean, a big part of what happened is the old guard didn't want him. Mm-hmm. And, and so the, the, the younger generation, the more progressives, if you will, um, were like, hey, we're rooting for Bernie. But then you have certain faces who are doing backroom deals and who already have their other people's hands in their pockets who are like, yeah, we're not going for Bernie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody had, has had a chance. Uh, my lady friend put me on to Fahrenheit 11.9. Yes. Yeah. We, we, did, we talked about it. Oh, Bruh. no, we didn't, we didn't talk about it. Bruh. Yeah. I must like have mentioned it like eight times. Yeah, we talked about it as, in a, as a group. I don't know if we mentioned Shout it. Shout out to your lady friend. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And right, so the only person that he, right, the only <laughs> that he apparently listens to. Oh, <laughs> 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 That's how those things are sometimes. <laughs> I'm going to start sending her links to the podcast. <laughs> no, yeah. Yo, make sure he watches this. and I need him to listen to this one, too. <laughs> yeah, so. But it was it was telling, wasn't it? Well, yeah, exactly. And so um, Bernie not getting the nod was really a reflection of uh, the old guard not letting him get to that next level. The Democrats stole the election. You know, stole the primaries, let's say. Right. Republicans, you know... Trump might have worked with the Russians or, you know, however that, you know, Trump might have worked with the Russians to steal a general election, but Democrats definitely stole um, the primaries, you know, and what they did with those 15 states that voted for Bernie and and they chose those delegates to decide to go with Hillary is, is shameful, absolutely shameful. And then, and then that's why, like, for them, they can come out and start talking about Republicans. That's why they haven't said anything about Republicans because they know they're complicit. You know what I mean? How can you sit there and say, oh, Republicans are stealing votes? When you know you doing the same shit, you know, and you don't, you so worried about if you start investigating them, it's only going to uncover your dirt because they're going to be like, hold up. Yeah, Republicans stole some too, but yo, Democrats is over here stealing some too. You know what I mean? And what they did, yo. Can't make shit too hot. I think personally, I'd like to see the next incoming president hold some people accountable for that. You know, I think, you know, if, if we're going to listen, um, if, if we're going to come at this current president, Rightfully so, um, for his dealings with Russia, mm-hmm. you know, and saying that he usurped our election process and, and come at, we need to address Democrats and those that were complicit and, and taking away the primary votes and finding out what happened. What how they, what, can, well, like what their thought process was, why they thought that she would be a better choice than him. And you know what? I hear what you're saying. And yes, that'd be, that'd be nice for the record. Personally, for me, I want to know what happened. Where was the breakdown in the process? And how can we stop this from happening again? You know what I mean? Why, why are you not respecting the votes of the people? Like, yeah. granted, and, and that's where they talk about things are archaic. Yeah. In the Electoral College, it, it, it was an appeasement to Southern delegates. And also, it was really a way to say, hey, we don't think you guys are smart enough to make a decision. So you guys make a decision, and if those of us who are bright enough co-sign it, then yeah, we'll represent you. It can't be that the people have voted for a person and then your reps who are supposed to represent what you asked for have come in and said, no, 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 no. We saw what you wanted, but we're going to do that because we have the authority. Yeah, it's bananas. It's bananas. Like The idea is that you vote in your primaries Mm -hmm. and then the the votes in your location are uh, uh, um, sent to a a delegate, right? So like if if we're – this is Jamaica, Queens Mm – if we all voted for Bernie, the delegate that, that, that covers our area would say based on the, on the voters, we're going with Bernie. You know what I mean? Now, the, the party can come back and say, oh, no, nah, we're not doing that. We've decided to go with this. But that 
That's like that's not democracy. And you're the Democratic Party. <laughs> yeah. You should Yo. be letting the people make the choice. That's a, hold on, we get damn. <laughs> they damn really a lot of sucker shit. Straight sucker shit, yo. Like, that's not that's not cool, man. That's not cool. Drop one of Flex's bombs. <laughs> Clues bombs. Fuck Flex. No. <laughs> but um But isn't that Flex bomb though? No, it's Clues. Um Clue, Clue DJ Clue started with the professional mixtape. Okay. Uh well not with the professional, but he back in those back when he was doing like clue tapes, he was dropping bombs. Um but yo, shout out to Bernie. Shout out to um, you know, this year's uh, Democratic uh, candidates. You know, I don't want to go over that again, but we did that a couple times already. But <clears throat> this was a big rally this weekend, <laughs> and uh, I think there we were there were no issues at the rally itself. I haven't heard any. Um, I haven't been really paying attention to it. Um, just moving, um, trying to like finish moving into the house, but mm-hmm. I haven't really paid attention. If you guys hear this hissing noise in the background, that is my heater. It. The heat in this place is high, and I don't control it, but I'm not complaining. It's definitely better from where I'm coming from. <laughs> Word. Everybody's voices sound better, I'm sure, because the air's not so dry now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's pretty good. Yeah, you see that, right? <laughs> Got a little... You notice the difference? <laughs> you, know, you don't think so? You hear it on the playback. I mean, well, maybe you guys won't. <laughs> but, um, Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> Well, um, I guess we're gonna end it off this week. Any you guys got anything you want, you want to add? Um, good luck to you. You the, the weeks coming up, Mister Douchebag Swag. Oh, new beginnings. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah, starting yeah, a new yeah. trabajo. Yeah, thanks. You know, got a got a couple of uh, positive moves going on on the uh, employment front. So mm. yeah, you know, twenty nineteen starting off strong, uh, keeping the momentum going and. Yeah, it should be good. I appreciate the uh, well wishes. Yeah, you have to keep us posted. For sure. Shout out to uh, shout out to you. You know, definitely good luck. You know, I'm sure you're gonna um, you're gonna do well there, like everywhere else you've been. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm excited to hear the stories from this new place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, keep everything tame. It's not it's not gonna be like Wolf of Wall Street. And if it were, that's something that you're, you're going to find out about in the movie anyway. So. <laughs> Yo, I'm going to end this week off. Um, I found this. You guys go on American Girl, right? American, um, well, I'm not going to sing it because I can't sing. But Taku did American Girl over with this person called Wafia. Wafia? Pardon me if I mess the name up. But I thought it was a great, great, great like rendition of American Girl. I'll play it for you guys real quick. American Girl. From Estelle? From Estelle, yeah. American Boy. Well, okay. Hers was American Boy. This is American Girl. Okay. And who's talking? T-A-K-U. Okay. Is the name of the artist. Up and coming. Yo, good to hear from you guys again. Make sure you guys follow us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Instagram, Conceited Nobody in the Eye. Check out the website, ConceitedNobodyWithEye.com. Um, I'm Johan the American on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you follow, follow that, follow the, um, follow us the Facebook group, Conceded Nobody, and keep a lookout for us on the street. Hopefully, get some merch coming out and show some of the uh, to a to a parade and concert near you. <laughs> I'm gonna leave you guys with this Taku American Girl here. You guys, let me know what you guys think. I'm not gonna play too much of it because you know how copyright go. <laughs> but uh, I'll let you next time. Peace. This shit is hard, yo. I'm gonna run it back from the beginning for you.
I like dramatic music, by the way. So this is American Girl, Taku Wafia. I'm I'm really slaughtering her name. So anybody find out how to say her name properly, you let me know. But I like what I'm seeing Girl, I've been to where my head This is hard, right? Cali never rains New York just stays awake Girl, let's This is considered a cover? Mm-hmm. I can meet your best friends I'm liking this American girl American girl Woo! Yo, this was... When I heard this, I was like, yo, you know, I'm a big R&B person. I'm going to get out of here. I've been talking all this time. 